0: This is the 343 podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Kyle Martino is a former MLS and U.S. men's national team player, and currently Kyle is part of the NBC Sports Network's broadcast team and is also now the chairman of Street Soccer USA. But in 2017, Kyle made the decision to run for U.S. Soccer president. And we spent the majority of our phone call talking about what prompted him to do that, what he learned during the process, and a little bit about his thoughts on the future of U.S. soccer. Now, this conversation was an important one for both of us to have because he and I believe that American soccer players and coaches and parents and investors and fans deserve better than what is currently being offered. But Kyle and I don't necessarily see eye-to-eye on how to fix things, or what the problems even are to begin with. So, with that said, I anticipate having, hopefully, at least a few more conversations with Kyle in the future. And not just to talk about American soccer politics and how we can improve things, But we didn't even get a chance to talk about his investments in Mallorca, which is a second division club in Spain. Uh, I didn't get a chance to ask the questions that I would normally ask of a former player, like what it was like trying to make it here in MLS and trying to make it with the national team because I like talking about those types of stories. But we can get to those another day. And I'm sure by then we'll have a whole new set of American soccer topics to discuss as well. If you would like to connect with Kyle and learn more about Street Soccer USA, I've provided links to those in the write-up portion of this podcast, which is available on 343coaching.com. And this episode of the 343 podcast is actually supported and funded by the members of the 343 Premium Coaching Education membership that is available on 343coaching.com. 343 are the proven leaders in possession-based soccer coaching education here in the United States. From training eight-year-olds to graduating academy players to national teams and professional contracts, 343 has demonstrated expertise at virtually every level of the development process. The premium coaching membership is the culmination of Brian Kleiben's work, specifically a lifetime of studying gold standard examples from around the world and then applying it for over 15 years here in the United States. Gary Kleiban, a professor by day, took years and years worth of actual training footage and match footage and organized it into an online university to help reduce your trial and error time and help you get right to the work that matters. The 343 Premium Coaching Education Membership will guide you through developing a clear vision for your team, choosing the right activities to bring your vision to life, and help your team play better soccer. You don't need 100 or 1,000 drills in your library. We've narrowed ours down to just a small set. And we share them all with you in the 343 membership because your time is precious and there is no sense in wasting it. Over 3,000 coaches have already taken advantage of this head start. Do not get left behind. You can learn more about the benefits of the 343 membership program and help support this podcast by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out, com. All right. With all that said... I hope that you are ready for this conversation that I recorded with Kyle Martino. Yo, Mr. Kyle Martino.
1: What's up, John? How are you?
0: Good. How's it going, dude?
1: I'm doing good, doing good. Just got over to NBC, uh, just stole a soccer ball from someone's office that I'm taking to the city to play pickup with tonight.
0: Thief, dude, you're a thief. I know,
1: I know. (laughs) I left a a note like someone that hits you in a parking lot, though. That's
0: pretty good, that's pretty good. It's nice of (laughs) you.
1: So you're in California?
0: I'm in California, San Luis Obispo. Is that where you're from? Uh, I'm from a little bit south, but yeah, San Luis Obispo.
1: Oh, cool, right on. And, And so I guess just like most people in California once you find it you don't leave it
0: pretty much pretty much i leave yeah. for uh i leave for short stints and i love coming home
1: amazing what, and what are you doing out there
0: i host this podcast man it's it's pretty amazing <laughs> i'm very <laughs> i'm very fortunate to make a living off of, uh off of doing this so it's
1: oh, oh this is it this is what you, what you do for for profession
0: yeah. Well now it is. It's it's funny. Uh just yesterday actually was my one year anniversary from getting fired from my uh from my day job and best thing that ever happened to you, right? Yeah. Well I don't know about best thing, but it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I I had an opportunity to go to, to go to Europe last year it's for uh for a soccer thing and I went on a on a moment's notice. i I literally just went home and got my passport and went and got on a plane and yeah explaining that to to my boss at the day job didn't go over so well and so when i got back i didn't have a job (laughs) (laughs) and uh it was was a kind of a rocky end to uh to 2017 but but since since i kind of found my footing it's it's been nice having this podcast and, and some other stuff so yeah it's been cool oh that's awesome yeah man well
1: happy happy one year anniversary
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to yeah. me. <laughs> and I was I, I was thinking about writing like a little cuz I after I got fired from my day job, I wrote like this long story blog post. I don't know what you want to call it. And I thought about writing another one and I just you know, when I sat down to do it, I couldn't think of anything, you know, worth writing about. So yesterday, I just posted a little picture on Instagram and and celebrated like that and and went golfing and had a couple of beers with my buddies and and called it good.
1: Sounds like a good way to celebrate.
0: I think so. I think so. <laughs>
1: So uh, yeah, so yeah, what do you want to chat about?
0: Yeah, man. Um, I guess I should say we're already recording. Um, if that's okay, and and if we get into something that that you don't want to talk about or don't feel comfortable talking about, just let me know, and we can pause or I can edit out whatever. I always cool. I always give people the the freedom to kind of control that. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I don't, I don't I don't imagine us getting into into dangerous territory here.
0: All right, cool. So let's start with your social security number and uh, <laughs> uh, no, man. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious. I, I didn't get a chance to talk with you leading up to leading up to the whole election, you know, debacle or whatever you want to call it. Um, show that was case. a lot of terms for it, aren't there? Yeah, for sure. Um, and and I, I really I I really did want to to get a chance to talk with you. I got a chance to talk with Eric. I got a chance to talk with Paula Point. Um, I, I had a chance during that that same time to talk with John Mata, um, and and there's just a, there, there's a lot of stuff that I think people want to know and
1: yeah. And well, I'm sorry we missed that opportunity. Uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's important, just especially in a situation like that where it's about something so so big, and uh, at that inflection point, it's important to know who everyone. Uh, who everyone is and and information from the source is the best way to do it so sorry we missed that opportunity
0: no it's all it's all good man um but but now i mean what is it six months removed from from the actual election i i think that there's a lot of you know reflection that all the, that all of you have probably done and and you guys all probably learned a lot more than i think you anticipated about you know that whole process and maybe what yeah. happens and so this might actually be a better interview than than you know, having you come on before the election, so
1: I know a lot more now. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> so the the question I've been ending a lot of my interviews with lately is is what do people need to know? So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now that I'm gonna ask you that at the very end of our conversation, so you can just have that okay. in the back of your mind. Um, Appreciate the heads up. Yeah, um, but let's let's kind of get a get an update from you on on what you've been doing since the uh, since the election. What what's what's been new or, or how how has your life changed? Since then,
1: yeah, I mean, my, my life has changed in, in a big way. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of back into some of the similar routines and back at NBC. But you know, I I, I think most everyone who, especially the people who ran uh, in this last presidential election, would would tell you the same thing. You know, it kind of forever changes you. Um, you know, I saw I saw a part of the game uh, that I hadn't seen before. There was an incredible deep dive into uh, a landscape that goes all the way to the grassroots level that I had been um, you know, still involved in, you know, going back to my high school and, and helping with those guys, my club team. But just didn't really have a full appreciation for how much the game evolved and changed uh, since my days going up through the pyramid, you know, and, and the good and bad of that. So. You know, my my uh, my perception uh, is is forever changed, and also my my motivation to just stay more involved and and not um, you know not not count on everything to to go how you hope it goes or how you expect it to go, and instead of just using my pulpit with NBC and you know my my Twitter handle or other other platforms that I have to uh, you know roll up my sleeves and and get out there. So that's kind of what the the election was was all about is standing up for the game and, and uh, putting in some sweat equity and, and some skin in and saying, you know, enough is enough. And um, the good part about that is I've met so many amazing people um, and, and really got, got a sense of why we are where we are. Um, you know, the people on the ground, the people that, that helped put me in the position I'm in today, going back to my club team coach who was with me throughout the election, was at my wedding, you know, that's the network that really keeps this whole thing going. So I've tried to plug back into that um, and see where I can help, see where I can be useful. And so that led me to street soccer USA. Um, you know, a, a, a rich kid from Westport, Connecticut, um, you know, it's kind of like Malcolm Gladwell's outliers. I, I was very fortunate. Serendipity put me on a path that because of the poor architecture and design of the youth game in this country, a lot of kids can't get on. So you know, I, I don't have to feel guilty about that, but what it makes me want to do is make sure I do what I can with uh, the gift I've been given to be in this game for so long and still be in it and try to figure out how do we get those kids that uh, that missed out, the kids that were going to be better than me that that didn't get the opportunities I got. Um, and, you know, every day that I get to just be, a you know, fly on the wall watching what they've done over the past 10 years and the impact it has on community – uh, is is special to me, but to think I'm bringing any value to an organization that has the ambition to grow the game in the uh, in the area's most underserved by it is just it, it's the best thing that could have ever happened after this election.
0: Tell me a little bit about your your role with Street Soccer USA because I'm I, I'm a little bit confused on on if it's like a day to day like operational role, if it's more of like a advisor or, or actually, you know, what, what, what you're, what you're actually doing with them, I guess is just what I'm curious about.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, it was always the plan to go back to NBC. Um, if I didn't win the election, I actually signed a contract with them to freeze my deal, um, and, and go full force into the election thinking that, you know, if, if the unthinkable happens and one of us is able to upset, uh, you know, the the establishment, then I'm going to do this full time. And so I had uh, signed something with NBC that said, if I win, I'm stepping away and I'm going to void my contract. But um, I'm really fortunate they supported me and said, you know, if you lose, you know, we, we want you back. And um, it was always, always uh, going to be my first priority to go back to the job I love with the people I love to do it with. And then where, where I have free time in the summer, I had a lot of it um my role is 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 chairman so i'm i'm sharing our national board we have our first national board meeting uh coming up here in september um we're in we're in 17 cities but but the the main presence we have is in six major cities and all of those groups have been operating uh through smaller boards uh and the day-to-day operations is one of the founders lawrence can who's our ceo and it was his idea to construct a national board to combine efforts and create a central nervous system of ideas and organization out of out of New York City. And, um, you know, I, I'm honored and humbled. He thought I could help lead them uh, in the direction they want to go. So day to day, I'm helping with anything I can. Uh, we just did a brand relaunch, which I led to uh, to – redo our website, have a new logo, bring on board members, uh, create messaging and social assets. And then it's about scaling this thing so we can hire more, hire more uh, full-time staff and bring more kids into the program. And so some days I'm on the phone uh, for a few hours with Lawrence talking through everything and, and figuring out what we need to do and, and strategizing. And, you know, I could go a few weeks without working on it because my NBC commitments are uh, are taking all my time.
0: Oh, it makes sense, man. Um, I, I I guess I should probably be transparent here and and let you know that I've been critical of Street Soccer USA and your your role within Street Soccer USA. Not because I think that it's a bad program. I think it's an absolutely beautiful program, and and the the service is is is, is amazing, Kyle. It's 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 much needed. What I've been critical about is people taking taking that out of or, or, or kind of blowing it out of proportion and saying that this is going to change American soccer. Like this is the fix that we need. Street soccer and Kyle Martino are are gonna you know flip U.S. soccer on its head. And that's where I I start to kind of push back. I'm like how like how is this yeah, one program and, I'm and one you. person gonna I'm change? With you. Okay, so yeah,
1: I to- and listen, I totally agree. There is no panacea here, and I think it's ridiculous to think that any one organization can can uh, fix the, the health and, uh, and quality of the game in this country. We, we all need to chip in, and many people are doing it in different ways. And the great part about it is there's other groups like us. I mean, we're not, we're not the only one out there doing what we're doing. So, um, you know, credit's not what we're in it for. And, and if, if you get a chance, and I'd love to introduce you at some point to Lawrence Can and Rob Can, the two brothers that started the organization in Charlotte, ten years ago, um, they have a really special story of why they started it. And you know, we, we are a, a small cog in an enormous wheel. And you, you and I both know the size of the challenge <laughs> in this country. And um, that's not being critical; that's being realistic. That we are not the we are not the answer, and and you know, the Messiah that are going to come along and, and change this thing. I will say though, focusing on the grassroots. So as a concept, in going into inner city communities. And and, and uh, bringing the game, kind of like if you really deconstruct Paris winning the or uh, France winning the World Cup, and go look in the outskirts of Paris and some of the the projects there. I mean, a lot of these players came from a street soccer culture and never paid a penny to play the game because that led into Clairefontaine and and other uh, funded academies, and then eventually the professional game catches these kids. And you know Thierry Henry, who I brought. Uh, with me on the campaign trail, you know, told that story in Philadelphia. He never paid a penny for the game. Um, and, you know, his his parents didn't have the money to do so anyway. And, you know, that, that honestly I think is where we can make the biggest impact um, outside of the, the governance and the structure that we're so frustrated with.
0: Uh, absolutely, man. And, and, and just thinking about that, like I, I actually happened to be in San Francisco, the, the last event that you guys held there at the end of end of july i believe and i i walked down from my hotel and i i watched probably like two hours worth of games and and it's awesome but what i didn't see were you know other people other coaches or academies i didn't see any earthquakes you know staff there um you know scouting or or looking at these players and so i'm i'm looking at these programs like yeah like we need more of this but we also need to fix the the other side of it like and, and make sure that these other coaches and clubs and academies see value in it as well. And, and, yeah, and, how, do you, and how do you connect those dots?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I look at it as, as a, a problem in phases, right? And so the solution can't be, and I think that's where we get in trouble with how we govern the game here. And I don't include us in that way, but how, how the, the powers that be are designing things. They do it from the top down and, um, the, the first problem you have to solve is uh, a barrier to entry, right? So so we have ideas and solutions there. And that's one of our biggest focuses. And then it's keeping them in, right? So once you, you, you get rid of that barrier, you know, are they having fun? Are they enjoying it? Are these kids learning things? Are they making strong bonds? Are they feeling a part of something? Is it special to them? Um, you know, because dropping out, whether it's um, registered with with uh, with U.S. soccer or not, dropping out of the game is a big problem. So um, when it gets to the higher level stuff like identification and and uh, and good coaching and development, um, you know, we we we, of course, want to focus on giving kids access to that. So we have uh, a La Escuela. That's an amazing program done out of Spain with the uh, players union there that funds a educational program so former players can go in and get their license and, and coach kids at a young level where they're the most, uh, you know, absorbent and ready to take on information. You know, we we try to we try to take our curriculum and constantly adjust it to these things, but we're not really there to develop the you know the next big professional star or national team star. That'll be a byproduct of who we are. You know, we're there to get them in, and the real problem that you're talking about. You know, we, we've got to pass these kids on to, to groups that are designed to to do just that and, and hope that the scouting system and all the other stuff is fixed. And you and I both have ideas on how to fix it, because right now it's an absolute mess.
0: It absolutely is. Uh... But, you know,
1: I only I, you know, I say that not to disagree with you. It's just. You know, our biggest mission and the most important thing to us is using soccer using soccer as a social vehicle to change the lives of people in these communities. So it's kind of the front end of this is the greatest game on the planet. It's a blue collar sport everywhere else. And then once the kid comes, um, maybe one or both of their parents come. And then you know we've got a lot of refugees and immigrants in our program. So it's maybe legal services that they need, or uh, administrative things, or help with job applications. So you know, soccer is a currency and a conduit everywhere else that, that strengthens communities and um, the communities that need it the most just don't really feel like it's theirs or they're included in it. And that, that's our biggest goal. And then for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitive guy as you are. Uh, I'd love to unearth the next big talent and I know they're hiding there. Um, so that'll just be a, a big bonus um, but can't be our focus because we're just not designed uh, to, to, to be that in the, in the landscape.
0: that's actually an interesting segue because i wanted to answer or sorry i wanted to ask you a question about when you realized things weren't designed properly and actually i wrote the question a little bit differently i hope you don't mind me asking the what i wrote down when did you when when did you realize things were fucked up like when when did you realize (laughs) that this that this whole system was just you know just wrong and you made the decision to try to make some change
1: you know i had a sense when i was younger um because the the best and i got asked this question a lot in my playing days um and and this sounds like self-publicity and and believe me it's not but i I was a specific type of player that we didn't really um develop all that often where you know i guess you call it a number 10 an attacking midfielder creative player with flair that got on the ball and took people on and you know i think traditionally we have in this country and it's changing now, but athletes and a direct play and, you know, simple kind of robotic, uh, style, style of play. And where I found that was playing indoor with, uh, with Latino adults and and Caribbean adults. And one of my closest buddies growing up was Edson Buttle, um, who I played with on the U S team and in Columbus, And I'd go play indoor with his dad, and that's it. I was the only white kid in there, and it was the best education I ever got in competition, and and uh, deception, and being good on the ball. And without that, I never would have became the player I became. So I kept thinking, why am I not getting what I need out of the things that my parents are paying for? But then the next question is, why does everyone look like me? I mean, where are all these kids that I see in these gyms um, or on these black tops? That are better than me. I mean, these these kids are 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 so much more skillful, you know so much more mature, see the game better. and then and then you know they just disappeared. And so I had a sense when I was younger, but it wasn't until you know now when you when you get to see the entire landscape and I guess get a peek behind the curtain and realize who's making the calls and be able to connect the dots to see failure in the product and failure on the field directly related to, uh, the people unqualified to, to make the decisions they're making.
0: What was, what was the most disappointing part of, of getting that peek behind the curtain during this, during that process or, or as you continue to go through this process.
1: That nothing was happening. I mean, and we're talking well before Trinidad and Tobago. Um, you know, I've, I've told this story a few times, um. You know, listen, it was politics, and, and I understand how politics were played, at least now. I've never been in politics in my life. But a lot of people took took character shots and all sorts of things during the election, and it's still going on. But one of them was, you know, where were you then? You know, where were you before Trinidad and Tobago? And before Trinidad and Tobago, one of the things I did was try and point out um, how, how worried I was about the the men's national team culture deteriorating and also their lack of preparation for uh, for their opponents on the weekend based off of obviously you know players giving me heads up here and there and telling me what was going on but i I did my own research and went and looked at how did how did jurgen get into that role um how was his contract extension done before the world cup um who's running training sessions you know, how are these decisions being made? Where's the accountability? How did he become technical director? And when I started looking into all that stuff, I realized that, that things were, were very, very broken. And I started to try and tell that story. And one of, one of the ways I did it was on air at the halftime of an MLS game in RFK, where I said that Martin Vasquez was charged with essentially being Yogi Love and wasn't qualified to, 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 Had that huge responsibility. And I went and watched the training sessions for myself and and he wasn't, it was too much pressure that Klinsman had put on him. And Klinsman called me the next day and essentially said like cease and desist, you know, you need to help out here. You you know, you have a big voice, people are listening. You can't, you know, you can't say things like that. You don't know what you're talking about, you know, kind of get on board. Um, and then they banned me from a, a press event. Uh, a few weekends after that. So it, it, I, I I saw what happened when you tried to challenge the system. And the irony is, you know, a few months later, he actually fired Martin Vasquez. And I don't believe for a second it was because what I said, I think, you know, finally enough people, you know, got got to someone who had an incredible amount of control and tried to help them see that things were going in the wrong direction. And that goes all the way up to the top. And, you know, if, if Eric and Hope and, Caligiri and Winograd and, and and everyone didn't come into this election um, I, I really think Sunil would have run again because a disaster like Trinidad and Tobago that was a total avoidable disaster was not going to be enough um, for for a paradigm shift and for a challenge to the system um, it was going to take a lot of people getting out there and, and you know putting their money where their mouth is so I give I give everyone so much credit for doing that but that was a you know that that was that was a big moment where I thought to myself, you know, this is crazy. We've been saying this for a long time, and nothing's happening. We could have avoided this mess.
0: It's actually kind of refreshing to hear you say that you were banned from an MLS event because people hear that all the time and they're like, no, like that's not true. These are just rumors. Like they don't do that to people. Like no way, no. But that 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 actually happens. It's
1: yeah. I mean, the misinformation stuff um, is discouraging and you know, I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad that, that a mutual friend connected us because, um, you know, I, I think you, you in the past, and I'm, 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 I'm not accusing (laughs) you of anything Have have, have taken some shots at me without understanding the whole story. And that's okay. And and I'm glad that we got a chance to, to, to hash it out and talk about this. We're both very passionate about the game, but you know, one of the things that's so discouraging is the, the, the group that, um, out there doing a lot of great good and, and 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 making their voices loud and and every day having the courage to challenge what's going on and and, and to in, and invite people into the argument it, it just it it what's discouraging to me is the noise that's created through misinformation and and sort of other tactics that we we see in our culture right now that that divides people on the same side based on semantics that if people were just Uh, calm and and got out of their echo chambers and had a discussion they'd realize there actually is when they got to the crux of it nothing dividing their opinion it's just this kind of you know ad hominem you know character attack uh, just weird scenario where it's so frustrating to see uh, people who could get together and do great good divided by misinformation that if they just ask the person themselves they would realize it's totally ridiculous
0: I think I I think I understand what what you're going at, and I guess maybe if I can kind of redirect this, it's the people that really the focus should have been on are the ones that that won in the end, and th- those are the people that, that you guys were all and and girl um, or girls sorry uh, were kind of aiming aiming to to get the out of out of power and they ultimately won at at the end of the day and and it sounds like you know not just in conversations i've i've had with this is my first conversation with you but in in conversations i've had with other people they feel like you know if this side or our side or the other side would have would have come together as one that they would have made that change that you know carlos wouldn't have won do you do you think that that's true
1: Um, I mean, it's just a big hypothetical because here's the thing. Um, I, I I think, listen, I think United, you have a much better chance than you do separate fighting each other and, and doing the other side's work for them. But, um, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, we lost the athletes and, and without the athletes, and I don't think coming together as a group, um, was going to, was going to win them over. Um, they actually got wind of that, and it made a lot of them angry. Um, you know, the, w- with, without that group, there was no path to victory. Um, I mean, once you did the calculus, you know, our, our side was starting down at least 40 percent and, and sweeping the rest of the of the electorate which is the biggest and the largest group of people who disagree and come from different parts of the country and cannot unite on anything, even, even though they're the ones uh, being affected so dramatically uh, with the bad, you know, the poor governance, the the path to victory was, was a a sliver of hope um, that went out the window. Once the athletes decided to block for Carlos. And it's just, here's another bit of misinformation, you know, with the athletes. And I know a lot of them personally played with some of them, um, still friends with some of them. Uh, You know, I'm really, really disappointed in the decision they made, but I know that the majority of them did it because they thought it was the right decision. Now, are there a few of them? You know, I called one out personally, Carlos Bocanegra, in in an article after the election, you know, that had a special interest. He's employed with a group that um, put pressure on him and and, you know, he tried to lobby the athletes to make sure that I know for a fact to make sure that I didn't win. Um, but, you know, the, the, the majority of that group, they, they, they really did did the, the due diligence and tried to figure out what was best for U.S. soccer. And in my opinion, you know, made the wrong decision. And I'm hoping because it's not good for soccer at all to watch, you know, more failure. I, you know, I'm hoping I'm wrong and they're right. I, I'm, I'm really, I want to give Carlos the benefit of the doubt that he will deliver on some of his promises. But um, this idea that, you know, all the athletes were handpicked and, and, you know, they're, they're all, they're all on the take. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and the problem is it distracts away from what is the actual problem that we should be talking about, which is you can't have an athlete's council that, that just, Parachutes in for such a big decision when they're not really involved on a day to day basis and don't understand the entire landscape and, and all the inner workings of U.S. soccer by perp, you know, on purpose by design because of the uh, opacity of the organization. Y- you also can't have some of them employed by, you know, people that have a political interest in making sure that someone wins. I mean, so much so that. There were athletes that didn't even show up because they weren't released from their team. So that, that whole thing, that design is the problem. But instead, we're, we're in the weeds arguing about a complete false story that they're all handpicked and getting paid by the man.
0: It's an it's incredible insight because I think that's gonna that's gonna help people understand, you know, when this rolls around again. I'm not sure how much of a role the Athletes Council is going to have in the vice president election. I'm not sure how that process works actually.
1: Yeah, they have Um, they have a they have a role for sure. And and you know, I think one of the things that if I can help you understand, and it took me a while to fully appreciate having met with them afterwards and and you know, looking at teammates and friends in the face that didn't support me, I was really disappointed. But, you know, their explanation was, um, you know, we think that the vice president role this time should, should be someone that has the technical now, that has the experience in the game and can learn on the job. Um, and should Carlos do a great job? He, he You know, why why wouldn't he stay in that role? But if not, it'd be great for someone to move from that seat should they be elected, you know, having seen having seen the machinery. Um, so, I mean, the logic in that is sound and I get it. Um, you know, I'm, I just, I worry the next time around if, if, you know, the, the, there's one guy whose name never gets mentioned. There's a guy, John Collins that works, uh, that is on the board of U S soccer. And I mean, he's behind the scenes and, and, and doing some pretty abhorrent things. And, 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 I mean, he's just not a good person. And what he's going to try to do is try to write. He's a, he's a lawyer and his background is in, 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 uh, trying to create, a kind of loaded scenario where I'm sure he's going to lobby to change things to make it harder to win from the outside.
0: Yeah, it's a very important and that that is a name that came up a lot and and I think a lot of people I mean not just on on one side of it but I think a lot of people started to, you know, get exposed i don't know if that's the right way to, to put it but their names just kind of started to get highlighted. john collins is one of them S- some travel company kept getting getting thrown around as like a, in the in the rumor mill that people are a part of and and i think that hopefully we can continue to to kind of highlight who these people actually are and 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 kind of talk about their actual roles in u.s soccer before the, yeah. the next important decisions need going to be made
1: yeah, but I mean here's the thing, John, and, and I know, listen, there's there's many ways to go about this. And my strategy is to try to bridge the middle more than you know be be on any extreme. Um, you know, if, if it's all bad and no good, it, it just becomes hard to 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 broker alliances that are needed to create 100%. the type of reform that we need. So Um, you can't say everything in MLS is bad because I know some people there and there's some wonderful people there and there's some great positive things that have come from that. Now, are there negatives? Of course. And I'll be the first to sit here. And I did. I went into, uh, during the election, Don's office and had a very long conversation where our voices got raised and we were yelling at each other. But there is, and I know this will upset people, there's enough respect that I have for him where I, I, I do think You can you can try and have these discussions and 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 work through scenarios where if you have a big enough group behind you, you know, of course, you can move this thing in the right direction. But to say everyone is a crook at MLS or or U.S. soccer, I think is really unfair to the wonderful people that actually are there and are as frustrated as we are.
0: 100%. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I I know we're we're already two minutes over time, but I want to make sure I ask you the question I, I told you I was going to ask you. So what what do people need to know right now?
1: I think what they need to know is um, we 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 really do have um, an amazing game in this country, and we have this remarkable potential that can only be achieved um, if if we if we stop using sound bites as weapons against each other. You know, we have to really and I'm not talking about getting rid of anger. I mean, this is a passionate game and we know that it's not being managed in the right way. And we know we should be further along than we are right now. But you know, trying trying to find common ground with people like Garber and Carlos Cordero, um, and 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 you know, USL and PSL and you know, and, and all the different variations of things that are coming in the landscape and innovation and projects and ideas, you know, those, those ideas are fleshed out, um, you know, through, through cogent discourse, you know, not through insults and not through character assassination. So I just, you know, I, I, I commend you for, you know, I I know you've had your, your disagreements with me and there are things for (laughs) sure we won't see eye to eye on, and that's fine. I mean, that, we have to learn how to disagree again and try to come out of it with a good game plan. And so, you know, I'm, I'm no, I'm no hero in any of this, man. I'm just another guy that loves this game. Um, you know, I, I don't want credit. I don't want, you know, a, a, any high profile praise. I mean, doing NBC is, uh, is, is the, is the way to, to, you know, feed your ego and vanity, not, not running away to do a nonprofit for for $0 <laughs> a year. So you know, th- this whole thing, and, and I include everyone that ran in this election, you know, we, we all should get out there now in our groups and try to galvanize everyone and keep them talking about the right things.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you giving me a, a few minutes of your time, Kyle, and, and I, hope that, uh, I hope that we can have another chat in the future and, and hope that we can help each other out however we can.
1: Yeah, sounds good, man. Next time I'm out in California, I'll give you a shout cuz we need we need to knock the ball around first and
0: Beautiful. foremost. Beautiful. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All
1: right, have a good time. Have a good one, John.
0: All right, dude. Talk to you later. thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast and a big thank you to my guest Kyle Martino it was a conversation a long time in the making and I'm glad we were finally able to get on the phone together and record a conversation I think uh, I think that you guys well I hope that you guys actually enjoyed that uh, if you would like to find more episodes of this podcast you can find those on 343coaching.com and while you are there you can also find our coaching education program And that is actually what helps to support and fund this podcast. So you can head over to 343coaching.com and you can find either our free or our premium course. And here is Tom Beyer to talk a little bit about his experience taking one of our online courses. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches education, both as a student,
1: as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I liked about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how to how to develop. Um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well.
0: Once again, you can find all of the information about joining the 343 Coaching Education Program membership, by visiting 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 343coaching, all spelled out.com. All right, once again, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 podcast.